0: Chapter 10 of The Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. A visit from the inhabitants of Plutasia. How long we slept it is impossible to say. We must have remained in slumber at least three days after the great excitement of our voyage so far. The direct cause of my awakening was a loud noise on deck. And, on coming up to learn the cause, I saw Flathootly shaking his fist at two strange flying men who hovered over the ship. "'Bad luck to ye!' shouted Flathootly. "'If I ever get to grip ye again, ye won't sail away so swatly after jabbing me in the neck like that!' "'Flathootly,' I required, "'what's the meaning of this? Were those men on board ship? Had you hold of them?' "'Vegara, sir,' he replied, holding his hand over a slight wound in his neck. "'I was sleeping as sweetly as a child when I felt something tickling me nose.' "'I got up to see what the matter with me, "'and sure enough I found them two rascals prowling about the deck. "'When they saw me making a move, "'they jumped back and roosted on the rail. "'I wanted to catch hold of the one of them as a curiosity, "'and I goes off to the short feller, "'and I says quite honey-like, "'Good morning, sir. "'Could you give me a match to light me pipe?' "'And before the fellow had time to know where he was, "'I had hold of him, wings and all. "'Why, he was as weak as a wather, "'and I was knocking his head on the deck to keep him quiet, "'when the other fellow let fly and stuck his spear in me neck.' and when i was trying to catch the second fellow the first fellow got away But jabbers, the next time i get a grip on either of them his mutton's cooked i fear flathootly said i he will never catch either of them again don't you see they've got wings and can fly whenever they like beyond reach the two men that flew around the ship were strange beings their complexions were bright yellow and their hair black they were not above five and a half feet in height but possessed athletic frames Their wings were long polished blades of metal of a gleaming white like gigantic oars which were moved by some powerful force, possibly electricity, quite independent of the body. Their aerial blades flashed and whirled in the sunlight with blinding rapidity. Their attire consisted of what appeared to be leather tights covering the legs, of a pale yellow tint with crimson metallic embroidery. The dynamo and wings were fastened to a crimson jacket of unique shape that supported the body in flight. Their heads were protected by white metal helmets and they wore tightly fitting metal boots, reaching halfway up to the knee, the metal being arranged in overlapping scales. Each flying man was armed with a spear and shields. The tout ensemble was a picture of agility and grace. The sailors, now thoroughly awake, gave expression to loud exclamations of surprise at the sight of the two strange flying men, wheeling around the ship overhead. "'Professor Starbottle thought the strangers must belong to some wealthy and civilised country, "'for men in a savage state would be incapable of inventing such powers of flight "'and presenting so ornate an appearance.' "'They are soldiers,' said Professor Rackiron. "'See the spears and shields they wear.' "'They're bloody pirates,' said Flathootley. "'It was the long fellow that stabbed me.' "'You're all right,' said the doctor to Flathootley. "'Thank your stars the spear wasn't poisoned or you'd be a dead man.' Be that, powers, I'll have that feller yet, said the master-at-arms. I'm going to take a jump, and be missile, one of them fellers'll get left. The strangers were now flying quite close to the ship, and Flathootly unexpectedly gave a tremendous spring into the air. He would have caught one of the aerial men for certain, but they, having wings, foiled him by simply moving out of the line of the Irishman's flight. Flathootly dropped into the sea about a quarter of a mile away, and would probably have been drowned had it not been for the generosity of the strangers themselves. One of the flying men, hastening to the rescue, caught him by the hair of the head and lifted him out of the water. Flathootly caught the stranger by one of his legs and held on like grim death. The flying man brought his burden right over the ship and attempted to drop Flathootly on deck, who shouted, "'I have him, boys! I have him! Catch hold of us, some of you!' Immediately a dozen sailors leapt up and, grasping the winged man and his burden, brought both successfully down to the deck." Seeing himself overpowered, the stranger submitted to his captivity with as good a grace as possible. We removed his shield and spear, and, merely tying a rope to his leg to secure our prize, gave him the freedom of the ship. He sulked for a long time, and maintained an animated conversation with his free companion, in a language whose meaning none of us understood. He finally condescended to eat some food we set before him, and his companion came near enough to take a glass of wine from his captive brother and drink it with evident relish. Flatpootly was so far friendly disposed to his assailant as to offer him a glass of ship's rum. The stranger, to our surprise, did not refuse it, but, putting the glass to his lips, quaffed its contents in a single draught. When he became more accustomed to his surroundings, we ventured to examine his curious equipment. Upon examination, we found that the wings of our captive were simply large aerial oars, four and a half feet in length and three feet wide at the widest part, tapering down to a few inches wide at the dynamo that moved them. Such small extent of surface evidently required an enormous force to propel a man in rapid flight. We found the dynamo to consist of a central wheel made to revolve by the attraction of a vast occult force evolved from the contact of two metals, one being of a vermilion colour and the other of a bright green tint, that constitutes the cell of the apparatus. No acid was required, nor did the contact of the metal produce any wasting of their substance. A colossal current of mysterious magnetism made the wheel revolve, the current being guided in its work by an automatic insulation of one hemisphere of the wheel. I put one hand on the dynamo and made a gesture of inquiry with the other, wherein our friend said, "Nodge Desi! Was this the name of the new force we'd discovered, or the name of the flying apparatus as a whole? Before we could settle the point, our friend became communicative, and, smiting his breast, said, Plotoy, we are at vatbar." With the right hand he pointed to a continent rising above us, its mighty features being clearly visible to the naked eye. End of chapter 10